0: Welcome to the Value Investor TV Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my dear partner, Hari Rada Christian. Hello. <laughs> good to meet you. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Good. We're going to talk about Levi Strauss today, as you guys saw in the title. Yeah. Levi Strauss, what an iconic American brand. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, episode 53. And the next episode is going to be 54. Um, before we dive in, should we do a s- quick disclaimer?
1: Yeah. So disclaimer, uh, rather. Uh, yeah. So we are, um, you know, as we've talked about many times in the past, this is a podcast that is designed to um, educate you on how to evaluate businesses the way, um, you know, a value investor would, would do so. Um, and educate and entertain you. We're not your financial advisor. We cannot... Um, know your financial situation. So um, you should consult with one before you make any uh, investment decisions.
0: Excellent. So uh, Hari, take us uh, through the checklist. Maybe you can give a little plug-in about the checklist.
1: Yeah. um, So... We go, so if you're new to the podcast, we go through this, uh, checklist, um, at every episode that allows us to, fr- uh, it's a framework to guide us through how we evaluate companies so that we don't miss anything. Um, that checklist is available for free if you email us at info at valueinvestor.org. Um, you can also reach out to us on Twitter at, at valueinvestor TV. Um, all one word and, in in addition if you follow us on twitter you can get the latest uh you know news as we read it and kind of post things on uh, you know from a value investor's perspective so mm-hmm. um we encourage you to do so and it's a good way to uh communicate with us um we've gotten you know more and more people doing so and it's a great place to ask us questions or um do anything else and we'll we we'll, we constantly check it so mm-hmm.
0: Also, any suggestions for the podcast? Uh, There are a few people who reached out to us for suggestions on what we need to cover, the topics, different companies, things like that. Feel free to reach out to us. We definitely take that into consideration when we're planning out our podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Let's get started.
1: Yeah. So tell us... um for all of the people who've never heard of Levi Strauss, which is nobody, <laughs> uh, what does this company do?
0: So they make uh, fabulous, fabulous, you know, tough jeans. Uh, they're based in America. They're based in the U.S. And they start. They have you know, pretty long, you know, long history actually, which I yeah. thought was um, you know very interesting history. So Levi Strauss is a is a man. He's a he's a businessman. He uh, he came over from Germany when he was eighteen. And opened up a dry goods store in New York City with his family. It was, uh, it was called J. Strauss Brothers and Company. That's what it was called, dry goods store. And then, this is a really interesting piece of history. This was, you know, this was in the, in the, you know, 18, mid 1800s. And so at the time, a huge gold rush was happening. Everybody in the East, East, you know, Eastern seaboard in America and all across the world were, were, you know, were going crazy about the gold rush. And so people started to move over to San Francisco and all these areas in in California. And he thought that that would be a great opportunity to open up a second branch of this J. Strauss Brothers and Company in San Francisco, which happened to be the gold rush commercial hub at the time. Uh, And that evolved into what we know today as uh, Levi Strauss, the the jean company.
1: Yeah. So they invented blue jeans yeah in the 1870s yeah um uh, which i thought was interesting and and to be fair to them it's not i mean we they are well known for their blue jeans but they are consider themselves an apparel company
0: yeah apparel company yeah, exactly so,
1: um so tell us what what are some of the uh like what are the brands that fall under
0: that yeah so you have the levi's um levi well Wolf, let's say um the Levi uh let me see hold on a second sorry about that uh, yeah the Levi brand you have the Levi brand and underneath that there's like 501 and and then the other brand that they uh they they establish as Dockers, you know, yeah. for khakis, and they also have Levi Strauss signature by Levi Strauss and Company, which I think is a kind of lower quality but mass-produced um, mm-hmm. version of it. So,
1: and then there's a Denizen brand also. That fall, also falls under the value yeah uh, value De- grouping yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, uh, so, largely four different categories, four different brands within Levi Strauss. Yeah,
1: and and as we get into it, I mean, they they consider that. Levi's to be the uh, highest brand awareness in in denim uh, bottoms. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, I think you know people call them Levi's. You know, I mean, it's it's been there forever, so it's 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 well known. Mm-hmm. Exactly. When you talk about jeans,
0: so yeah. I also w- want to point out this. You know, they you know because there's so many jeans out there right now in the commercial market. When you look at Levi Strauss Levi's jeans, you know it right away because of that that red tap next right. to the right pocket, the yeah. back pocket. Yeah. And also the double, um, the, what do you call the stitches on mm-hmm. the pocket itself. Yeah. Uh, and they, in the annual report, they tout that as a, you know, a way to differentiate themselves in the marketplace. Yeah. And I think, you know, there, I, there's some merit to that, in my opinion.
1: Well, and you, can, you could even see it when, uh, I think they were, I saw a video of, I think Beyonce was using, was wearing jean cutoffs at, Mm-hmm. Some concert, and you could tell. I mean, they didn't even have a close up, but you could tell they were Levi's because of that red tab. red tab.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's very interesting.
1: Um, all right. Uh, so, you know, what else do you have on? What does the company do? Um,
0: yeah. Also, um, I wanted to mention they have a small, which I thought was very interesting for me, at least on an educational level. They have a license practice, so which is you know they don't actually make stuff on their own. Oh, actually, for that matter, they don't actually produce their jeans either. They they, they contract it out. But right. um, I thought was, what was interesting is they have a very small, but like I said, but more more interesting for my educational purposes, they have a um, license, license business where they license out the Levi's name and the brand mm-hmm. for shoe companies or wallet companies or watch companies. All these different companies will license the Levi's name and make you know their respective products be it shoes be it watches all these things which i thought was interesting you know
1: yeah um you know that's fairly common practice and Mm -hmm. and you know when you have a strong brand like that that they license out the uh
0: just a brand itself
1: brand itself for uh yeah so um you know there's a lot of things to cover here in terms of like the business itself Mm -hmm. so you know kind of just give us like a you know, how they present themselves in terms of their regional breakdown, you know, and their apparel, you know, segments that they kind of, you know, go through.
0: Yeah. So they are you know, a pretty global company. Yeah. Uh, Levi Strauss is really, really well known across the world, obviously in the U.S., but also in, the, in Europe and Asia. And so the, all in all, they're in 110 countries around the world. And they're grouped into three geographic regions, like I mentioned, Americas, Europe, and Asia. That's how they report their segments.
1: Yeah, and, and Asia includes the Middle East and Africa.
0: Mm. Um, and then half of the revenue comes from international markets. So half, the other half comes from Americas, uh, yeah. the, the U.S. Uh, they sell their jeans their, their through wholesale, through direct-to-consumer, uh, direct, uh, direct DCT, uh, be it, you know, their own retail stores or uh, e-commerce. E-commerce obviously picking up uh, pace. And we were talking about this earlier yesterday, actually. When we were looking at Grey Goose, or Grey Goose, Canada Goose, sorry. I keep saying Grey Goose. <laughs> Beko's uh, an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> when we looked at Canada Goose and when we looked at Skechers, when we looked at all these retail, um, you know, operations, it was very clear to me that everyone in the space was really pushing for direct consumer, yeah, for operational efficiency, for higher gross margins, you know. And, well, and they're not they're not exception. They're not an exception. Here. Well,
1: I think part of the reason is that when you are at a retail store that's not your own, mm-hmm. right, you dilute your brand a little bit because yeah. now you're. Your competitors across the you know the aisle right from you at um, you know in the jean section or in the shoe section or whatever, and you don't have as much control over shelves shelf space. What are the brands that are you know prominently displayed? And I think the other thing that we learned from Skechers, which I found very interesting, was Skechers is able to rapidly shift and ad- adapt to um, changing demands mm-hmm. because of their uh, Uh, You know, because they have their own retail store, so they can ship product directly. Whereas if they're selling it through wholesale, they have to buy, the buying occurs like a quarter before. So, right, there's, it's not as quick to to change pace, right? And so, you know, if something is really selling well, then they can plug into their own stores, but they can't necessarily do that in a, you know, at the department store or, you know, or elsewhere. Right,
0: Yeah. So definitely owning their own retail outlet, the full way logistics, all the way from, you know, sourcing to manufacturing to, you know, to, to retail. The, yeah. the, that last mile is very important. And right. it, it is becoming more important, I feel like, you know, yeah. as brands try to establish their presence in people's consciousness. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, why don't we kind of... You know, move on to like the the competitive advantages. What sure. do, what what do you think here um, are competitive advantages for them? Yeah, I
0: would say you know, unlike you know, we tend to but let's let's go back to Skechers and, and, and Canada Goose as an example. Canada Goose, we determined that their brand was really the, their moat. Yeah, right. Their moat is the brand, and kind of with the brand comes with the quality that they provide. Right. right. With Skechers. We said it was a low call, co- you know, low quality, lowest quality producer, low cost, low, low cost, cost. Yeah, sorry, low cost producer, right? And that comes with operational excellence. Mm-hmm. I think Levi's is somewhere in the middle. I think, yeah, uh, you know, they're not the cheap. I mean, there are are de- definitely they definitely have the value brand, the signature by Levi Strauss and Denizen. right? But they're not also premium jeans either. So they're yeah. somewhere in between. So I think when it comes to you know, when it comes to identifying moat, I think the the biggest one we could really name is the brand itself, the Levi's, the classic American icon. You know, when you think about Levi's, you think of kind of the rugged, you know, rugged, you know, rugged lifestyle. You know, Right. Um, so I think I think that that is the that is the 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 um, the main um, the moat uh, that I can think of.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think. You know, they, they mentioned that in their competitive strengths, that their brand is a big part of their, you know, business. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you would be fooled to disagree with them there, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's an obvious part of their business that, uh, is, you know, when you're buying, buying a pair of jeans, there's Levi's and then there's everything else, Mm -hmm. right? In some, in some respects. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm not, you know, when we look at the other things that they have, right, um, as far as moats go mm-hmm. i don't see any real other protection for them right yeah there's no network effects obviously i don't get any benefit because you're wearing <laughs> levi's right i mean there's some some very right. little limited though yeah um no switching cost it doesn't cost me anything to try a new pair of jeans out um they're not a, certainly not a low-cost provider mm-hmm. as far as i can tell right mm-hmm. and that's the thing about low-cost moats is it's kind of hard to tell um who is and who isn't Mm -hmm. um because you can't you know you can't really um you have to dig in deeper to understand that Mm -hmm. um and so sketchers it's not obvious that they are you know but they are selling shoes at a much lower price point and capturing a lot of the market Mm -hmm. you know that way and i think levi's is targeting that market but Mm -hmm. not necessarily being at you know at the lowest cost yeah um Cause I I think it was interesting. And when we start getting into financials, you know, with these retail companies, it's all about their gross and operating margins. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that they kind of, you know, for those of you who don't know that since this was been around for 150 years, they actually just went IPO. They had previously been a publicly traded company and then were, went private Mm -hmm. uh, and then went uh, public again like two months ago. Mm -hmm. Very recently. Yeah, so, uh, or less than two months ago. So it's an interesting, like, kind of, uh, you know, dynamic here Mm -hmm. because we're not looking at a new company Mm -hmm. like most IPOs are, right? You're looking at a company that has 150. I mean, they're probably one of the oldest, actually, out there. So, you know, when you start talking about these, you know, kind of businesses, there's not a whole lot of new territory for them to really, you know, they're
0: established, right? Yeah, They're I think not- maybe that's a good segue into the, the one of the next questions, which is kind of the long term, yeah, long term growth prospects, right?
1: Yeah, and so, yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit about that.
0: I think, um, you know, when it comes to like the 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 prospect for gaining new grounds, like you mentioned, it has been around for a long, long time, right? But I think certainly there are areas where you can still go. But yeah. I think it's a matter of, I think it's a question of what is the growth rate, even at these remote locations. For yeah. example, take China or India, for example. We were talking about this before the podcast. I've, obviously, there are room to grow there, but, you know, is it going to be an explosive growth like the, you know, like, like, like great like Canada Goose or, or, or Skechers, for example?
1: Well, so here's the thing that I found interesting is that their management had been around since 2011 mm-hmm. is when the, the current management kind of took over. Yep. It's not like China was a new thing, mm-hmm. right? So they had, they've been there, they've been international for since the fifties. Um, obviously, you know, China has been more wealthy more recently, but they're doing very well in India. And they talk about China. They said twenty percent of the world's, you know, population that they can target live in China, but they only have three. It only accounts for three percent of their revenue. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, where has that been? I mean, why hasn't that been growing explosively since, you know, the last few years, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, you grew up in Korea. Yeah. And it's a very popular brand there.
0: That's definitely, yeah, we were talking about this before the podcast. I mean, it it certainly is a very, very popular brand. And I remember growing up and going to middle school or or elementary school even, you know, people wearing Levi's was definitely a a status symbol. You know, it's like the cool kids wear Levi's and everyone else wears the other things. Right. And I think there's certainly that aspect of of it at play in other countries.
1: Well, like in India, you know, as far as I can remember, since you know, since at least the late '90s, mm-hmm. you could buy a Levi's in the store. So I, I'm curious as to what is is there a problem in China? Like it just the cut the brand doesn't have the same level of res that resonates with with them, or is it that they just didn't invest well? Like, yeah, because to me that's where this the growth rate has to come from right Mm -hmm. is you know these markets they talked about uh brazil india uh and china as like kind of the big places for them to go Mm -hmm. so i I feel like that needs to be a you know a big push for them
0: yeah yeah i I wonder you know i wonder just when you were saying that i wonder um you know if the if the brand itself has kind of deteriorated you know over time right because when I was growing up, it was definitely a hot thing to wear. But as with fashion, it kind of, you know, it comes and goes. Yeah. And so maybe Levi's is experiencing some of that overseas.
1: Well, because what was interesting to me was in their, you know, they're talking about their business strategy for growth. They expanded to growth into the top five countries: yep. U.S., France, Germany, Mexico, and the U.K. That grew three billion to three point five billion. You know, and they have about a five and a half billion total, so it's a huge chunk. Mm-hmm. So India is, you know, rapidly growing, rising middle class, etc. Where is where does China fall into this? Right, mm-hmm. Skechers had very good penetration there, seeing tons of growth. So what are we what are we going to see in in China, in China for Levi's? That's mm-hmm. that's to me is the the unanswered question, and I didn't get a good answer from the annual report.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah, or definitely. The S-
1: S1 I should say, not the annual report. Mm-hmm.
0: An, an annual report, you know, they didn't really go they really dig deep into kind of different different geographies yeah. in, in too much detail. So
1: Yeah, and I one of the things that I'll say that this I found this company very frustrating because they it was difficult to follow at times how they presented information. Mm-hmm. Like compare this one to like the Sketchers annual report, it was a lot easier to see the breakdowns of, uh, you know, their company stores versus, you know, wholesale versus other. Yep. Uh, I felt like this one was much more difficult to
0: yeah. follow. Yeah. You have to dig in a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So you have to do more work. I, I don't like when businesses do that. And this may just be because it was the IPO filing and maybe in their annual report, they'll get better at it. So I'm going to give them a a break here. A break here. But mm-hmm. when we look at that question later about management, open and honest, that's where I would ding them a little bit. Just, you know. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So, long-term prospects,
0: you know, we have some questions there, right? Yeah, some questions. Definitely some very uh, conspicuous questions.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just for, your, for context... You know, their total revenue from 2011 to 2018 only grew by 2% a year.
0: Yeah. We'll talk more about the kind of the financials. Yeah. But it's very, it's definitely not ex- exponential. Let's put it that way.
1: Does the company require a lot of capital reinvestment to maintain its business?
0: So if we look at kind of the, you know, uh, the depreciation amortization, which could correlate to the maintenance capital, you know, we're looking at about 100 Hundred twenty, hundred thirty million mm-hmm. um, back into the business, and so in, in that respect, um, you know, this is also one thing that I would I do want to note is that ninety eight percent of their product is actually manufactured by independent contractors. So they are like like Skechers, like s- someone like Kennedy Goose. Canada Co- Goose definitely had more of their manufacturing in house. Yeah, they have. They outsource ninety eight percent of it. So. They don't really have a lot of you know, you know, big you know big ticket capital expense items to 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 maintain, right? Um, but they also do have like you know retail presence and, and logistics warehouse warehouses and things like that that does require capital maintenance.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I think they were also mentioning their marketing push, right? And of course, this yeah. is not capital for reinvestment, but it is a operational expense. Mm-hmm but they in the last few years they've been making a heavy push to uh you know they have they've sponsored, uh San Francisco's uh football stadium Levi's stadium um and they you know sponsored Beyoncé when she was doing the Coachella you know uh concert um so they have a lot of like avenues that they're trying to push mm-hmm. um you know and they have these different marketing campaigns so i find it interesting that they have all of this um like how much is that going to require to get to maintain their brand consciousness, right?
0: Yeah. I think I think that's an interesting question because at that level at this level, at Levi's level, I mean, is it is it part of doing business at that level, right? Yeah. You know, huge expense in huge huge operating expense in advertisement, that I mean, that might be just a cost of doing business. Well, I mean you look at like
1: company like coca-cola which has a similarly iconic brand right Mm -hmm. and they have a ton of marketing expense Mm -hmm. and that's just to maintain their Mm -hmm. you know existing kind of relevance relevance right you know you have to keep doing it Mm -hmm. and levi's has the same problem that they're in probably nearly as many countries as coca-cola everybody's heard of them but you have to keep the brand at the top of your mind. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it kind of starts slipping. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do think there is some level of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there may be more creative ways to, to market and, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, the, the thing is they open themselves up for public scrutiny now as a publicly traded company. So for these sure. are, that's why we're asking these questions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. so, um, if we're going to make an investment in a company, we want to know how much is that going to take, right? Mm-hmm. Because in some ways, clothing, the thing I worry always about clothing companies is it is still a commodity, right? Like, yes, they have an iconic brand. I can also still go to any number of stores, and you look at all of them, you know, retailers, J. Crew, Banana Republic, or The Gap, they're all struggling to maintain relevance, right? In a world where you can buy stuff online, exactly, uh, it's very easy to, you know, to kind of erode a way that, you know, oh, I, I can now go to Ross Dress for Less or uh, TJ Maxx and get these clothes at half of the price of, you know, you know, so they kind of cannibalize their own market because now people are expecting to pay less, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the outlet store and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, certainly. I think that, I mean, I think Levi's, like we talked about earlier on, Levi's in a, is right in the middle of the spectrum where it's not the lowest, but it's not also the most exclusive a brand itself. Yeah. So I think this is kind of a tough territory to be in for retailers, and right. especially for clothing. Right. Because if you're in the if you're in the way far up north, you know, very much you know exclusive brand, there might be a little edge there because you're not really a commodity at that point. You know, yeah. it's a luxury item. Right. Whereas right in the middle, it's like okay, you're not the lowest co- you know low cost provider, but that you know that's a tough part to be in. Right.
1: And yeah. I I think that differentiates them from canada goose and from Skechers, right sketchers is m- protection is you know is brand but more so it's that they produce things at a ch- you know a cheaper, cheaper price point, point. and then they're able to you know kind of adapt so levi's i think there's m- a lot more competition mm-hmm. in the bottom for you know, sure uh, and tops space for sure right so you know that, that these are the things that you know, I, I don't get a strong feeling you know, on them. Mm -hmm. Right. Even though I think this is an iconic brand and all that. That's true. So, um, okay. So let's, let's talk about, uh, business relationships and I don't know that there's much to really say here.
0: Not really. Uh, Um, I would say this though, I think they did mention in the annual report that they have the logistics people, mm -hmm. logistics support employees in North America, they're unionized. But, you know, the, you know, people have unions and they work fine. So that's just something right. to keep in mind.
1: Yeah. No no, no red flags here in yeah. terms of suppliers. Um, you know, they, they're wholesale distributors. They don't have one particular store that, you know, sells most of their their stuff. So yeah. I don't see any risks there. I don't either. Um, you know, like Hasbro and Mattel got dinged when Toys R Us went down. Exactly. So I don't see that with Levi's, right? You yeah. can buy it pretty much anywhere so
0: they said let me just give you some statistics 28 percent of revenue generated was generated by top 10 wholesale wholesale customers and not one wholesale customer had more than 10 percent yeah um so just going back to going back to your point about reliance on reliance on other you know reliance on a single customer they don't really have that risk right
1: okay um well you know so we're uh you know for the we're kind of wrapping it up here on our sure. first part um, any other real comments here for you know what we're looking at in terms of Levi's
0: yeah I think Levi's like we said is a very iconic brand very much an American iconic classic brand but the competition is very intense there's intense pricing pressure at this bracket yeah and uh, you know and also there's some you know big question marks regard you know regarding their financials um, that we'll talk about. Um, in yeah. the next episode, but yeah, the brand itself—I don't think you know. I think our conclusion is that it is quite strong, but it might not be strong enough to sustain the enough sustain the heavy competition in that in that marketplace. Yeah, that we talked about. Awesome. Okay.
1: Well, let's. Um, uh, well, we'll wrap it up for, sure. for This one episode.
0: This was episode fifty-three, and uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you on the next episode fifty-four. Thanks. Thanks.